Welcome to a special 20th anniversary episode of Words and Pictures, the show about the narrative arts. I'm your host, S.W. Conser, and today I'm joined by an author, cartoonist, and storyboard artist. He's worked on the shows Adventure Time and Midnight Gospel, and his comic stories have been collected in the anthology Cartoon Show. Derek Ballard, welcome to Words and Pictures. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, your book, Cartoon Show, it has a testimonial from Pendleton Ward of Adventure Time. Uh, he says, I laughed and cried. Y'all, these are the real bleep journal comics, drawings that could slay a dragon, every punchline, a funny knife in your eye. That's really nice. Of course, Pendleton is your boss. <laughs> and my he's my friend. Um, just on a whim, before the book went to press, my editor, Zach Soto, was like, hey, maybe you can get some blurbs, you know, who, who can you think of? And, and, and I thought of Penn and I was like, man, he's going to be too busy. And he got back to me with that quote. I, I couldn't be more grateful. It's just like the coolest thing ever. There's a long tradition of comics artists who use their own family for inspiration from uh, Hank Ketchum to Lynn Johnston, but your comic is no Dennis the Menace or for better or for worse. This is a family comic for a society that's kind of given up on supporting its families. Yeah, absolutely. I've said this before, but I never thought I would be the person to do autobiographical comics. But then the pandemic happened, our lives fell apart, and I, I didn't even plan on people seeing this stuff. I'm just like, I know I need to stay sane and keep working in any way that I can. So I just started drawing these journal comics. But speaking of Lynn Johnston, that's that was the number one influence for me because at that time, for some reason, I started reading a lot of For Better or For Worse. And then I was reading about her and man, just inspired the heck out of me. You know, um, when she back in the 70s, she was a single mom all alone with a toddler but she still became a successful cartoonist, the first woman to win the National Cartoonist Award. And uh, I thought, well, you know what? She could do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work as much as I can. She really helped me. One day I'm going to meet her. So if she's listening or somebody that knows her, let, let me know. Let me know where I need to go to get her autograph. So you haven't uh, actually mentioned this to her yet. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh. It's funny because, you know, the cartoonist community is small, but the superstar like her, like, I don't, I've, no, I've never met her, but, but one day, you know. You know, you've been doing your comic for a while now, for a few years, and you're a single dad of three kids. And I'm wondering, have you gotten any feedback like people saying, man, I really needed to see this kind of material in the comics? Uh, thank you for putting this out there overwhelmingly so and to begin with i i thought a few people would identify with it but it's it's been like i'm in awe of of the positive feedback and how many people identify with it but i needed that i needed to know that i wasn't crazy and i wasn't alone i just didn't realize there were so many of us in it together you know so that was a pretty magical transformational thing for me 
and uh, connecting with people like that now, I think it drives me to to work more. Like if I'm having a hard day and I don't want to draw, to think about the interactions I've had and the feedback I've gotten from people, it it really just fuels my battery. You uh, you have one comic where your character is looking through parenting books and he realizes there's actually more single parent representation in the movies Aliens and Terminator 2 than in most of the parenting books out there. Well, single parents don't have time, you know? They don't have the time nor the resources to dedicate to most creative endeavors nowadays. I don't think it's always been like this. Uh, I, um, and probably in other countries, I don't think it's like this. But here, uh, a lot of the parenting books, if you scratch below the surface a little bit, um, no detriment to anyone that wrote these books. There are wonderful books, but they had a supportive spouse or some type of support system. So they had time to work or write or draw or make a film, whatever it is. But there's not the same support network for single parents, working class. It doesn't exist. That's not to say that there aren't thousands of artists, writers that are single parents. They're out there, but it's going to be harder to find them. Yeah, there's a strip where your character attends a creative parents get-together. And the other parents there, the other members of the so-called creative class, they all go on residencies. They have nannies and au pairs, or they have parents who own the building they live in. Yeah, that's that's a very Florida comic right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I was feeling pretty salty and I made that comic and I was like, ooh, I'm being me, you know. And uh, it was just after like several years of dealing with that just in Florida. And I thought in my mind, I was like, well, this is some Florida junk, you know, but I put that out and holy cow, people from all over the place. They're like, man, I've dealt with this. This is like my town. This is like my town. I deal with this all the time. Well, Florida must provide you with a lot of material. Is that why you stay there? Well, um, I would get out if I could. So let me put this out there right now. If if there's any rich benefactor in Europe or Canada that wants to whisk my family and myself away, let me know. But, <laughs> but man, I'll be I'll brutally honest with you. I moved a mile down the road here like a couple of years ago, and it took me $10,000. Dude, I'm a dad with three kids. I'm poor. I'm poor. I work all the time. I'm still poor. Things keep going up in insane ways, you know. But Gainesville's a nice little place. It is. It's just the price of living. I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's bonkers. Everything's wacky and bonkers, you know. I'm, so instead of like going around ranting about it all the time, I'm trying to make funny comics about it. But to answer your question, why do I stay in Florida? I'm stuck here. <laughs> but if I have to be here, uh, I'm going to make jokes about it on paper. <laughs> yeah, so Gainesville, Gainesville, where you live, it's a college town, University of Florida. And that's got to be interesting because so many of the Republican culture wars and attacks on education 
have been happening in Florida? Well, I didn't go to college. So a lot of the terminology that I should be using here to be more accurate in my description of things that uh, go on is not there. But Gainesville is very small. That was one of the reasons I moved here years and years ago. It's a nice, progressive little blue dot in the middle of red Florida. The university has about 60 or 70,000 students. It's huge. It's huge. The town is small. And um, it, it, it was always pleasant, happy things, healthy things associated with being in a college village, even. Not even a town. It feels like a village. But now it feels like a, a dark rain cloud all the time that I have to constantly think about. Like, I have to not exactly filter, but like limit the information that I take in about what is happening on the campus and with the governor. But it's never good. You know, the past few years, it's always bad and confusing and foreboding. But I have a complicated relationship with Kingsville right now because I loved it forever. But suddenly there's all this outside stuff coming in and I feel like it's crushing this wonderful little place where I've I've been for a while. So too many things to name about weird things that's going on with the state and the college. It's something new every week. Well, you say you're not college educated, but you are probably more well-read than the uh, typical college graduate. You're a fan of the Czech novelist, Franz Kafka. I'm going to guess that some of our listeners have read Kafka's The Trial, or at least seen one of the movie versions. There are stories in Cartoon Show, I'm thinking of the really long-form ones like Call Security, where your character battles these indifferent bureaucracies. And the way you portray it all is very Kafkaesque. You actually say the word Kafkaesque. It's got <laughs> this, but you use the same mix of dazed frustration and comic absurdity. So are you comparing my comics to Kafka? Because if you are, again, I'm just going to lay back and take it. Okay, he said it. <laughs> I didn't. Sure. Um, so when everything, the pandemic and everything else went bad here, I went through all the proper, quote unquote, proper channels I should have gone through for help. And my friend, it was a strange descent into a labyrinth of madness, like contradictions here and there and no communicating, but then expected to be able to over communicate about things I didn't understand. So I, I try to get that vibe across in the stories like, yeah, I'm mad. I'm, I am mad and I'm frustrated and I'm sad, but it's an overwhelming state of confusion. You know, it's like in the trial, if I remember correctly, he never knows what he's being prosecuted for. Right. <laughs> I imagine it's the same thing. I, you know, I, I don't know. No straight answers. No, 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 no. And they'll send you home with a packet of homework you, somehow you might be able to get it done and you come back and then there's nobody there, you know, or you didn't dot the proper I, so you have to wait six months. Uh, in fact, we are denied SNAP EBT benefits right now because on paper, I make too little. So that does, they say that, it, as I understand it, that that doesn't compute. And I've written letters, 
but they're they now they're not responding. So <laughs> see, Kafka might not have done that. He might have been like, no, that that would be that'd be unbelievable to the reader. <laughs> uh. Well, there's another comic where your your character goes for vocational training and uh, they direct him into graphic design. And then um, at the end of it, after all this sort of community college education, there's uh, every potential client is just using some relative or, or some uh, barely adequate employee to do the most minimal job possible. Well, the, uh, that, that actually happened. That happened years before I had three children. So I get out of school. I learned to use a process camera. I don't even, it, it's a camera that takes up a huge room that old newspapers use. I learned all of these things. And by the time I finished that little training course, everything that I'd learned was obsolete because technology is moving so quickly, you know? And not only that, I knew Adobe Illustrator. I could, I could have laid out the phone book or made logos, but every uh, business that I approached, no joke, th there were two of them and they, they both said they were using their nephews. Their nephews were doing it for them because they, there's like, it's just cheaper for me to buy the software. And he's got a computer. My nephew's a computer guy. You know, so that's how it went. Well, I wanted to ask you about your day job, so to speak. Tell us about the role of the storyboard artist in the animation process, because uh, you've been doing that for Cartoon Network, for Netflix, for HBO. So I don't do that all the time. Right now, with my comics and with teaching i teach sequential artist workshop here in gainesville now every couple of months i'll do a storyboarding project or some character to visual development almost always with folks i knew from adventure time unfortunately there's some really cool stuff that i've done that's under an nda right now that i can't talk about but a non-disclosure agreement yeah. yeah but um about every two months i'll get a storyboarding gig and it'll take five, six weeks, maybe eight weeks. And um, I'll just be totally honest for all the young people listening that want to know the Hollywood pay living in Florida, then me working the extra side jobs here, that will keep me afloat for the year. That still works out. It used to be way better. Like when I did Midnight Gospel, it was like a godsend. I did so well and rent was so low here that, and again that's one of the reasons i lived here i'm really just a dad full-time everything else is part-time but everything's changed a bit now but still getting the the hollywood paycheck i do better living here now i don't know how long that'll be sustainable because again it's it's changing so quickly you're listening to a special 20th anniversary episode of words and pictures I'm your host, S.W. Conser, and today we're talking with author, cartoonist, and storyboard artist Derek Ballard. His work has appeared in The Nib and the comic collection Cartoon Show. Before we get back to the conversation, I'd like to take a moment to remind our listeners that KBOO is in the midst of our end-of-the-year membership drive. 
And right now, your contribution will be matched dollar for dollar, up to $20,000, thanks to the generous support of a group of KBOO donors. KBOO is one of the very last media outlets that still brings you local and independent news, music, and public affairs. We've been doing this here in Portland for over half a century, and this program has been coming to you for 20 years now, inviting important cultural figures into the studio and venturing out to events that might fly beneath the radar of the big media monoliths. So yes, you can support this very special programming today by going online to kboo.fm give, or simply text KBOO to 44321. And if you prefer to go analog, we're always happy to receive a contribution in the mail. The address of the station is 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland, 97214. And now let's talk some more with our guest, Derek Ballard. You have some of your comics about working as a carpenter, uh, working in construction. Uh, they have like interesting takes about the culture. Like these are these working class folks. And a lot of them seem to have attitudes that don't kind of jibe with their own interests. They seem to be a bit more aligned with the bosses that are on a level they're not going to be elevated to than the folks next to them who are in the same uh, mix that they're in. Yeah, and there are always characters like that. I tried to show that there's a vast amount of intelligent, kind people doing that work, but maybe they're not as interesting as some of the the characters that you're mentioning, and maybe I put more focus on those because um, it is startling the the cognitive dissonance. You know, uh, see, I gotta I gotta watch my mouth. It's easy to make a funny comic about them, but if I start ranting here, I'm gonna be like. They'll they'll never be a boss, but maybe they will. But maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll be rich one day. They won't be rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me there. I, I probably focused on those characters because it was funny to make fun of them. But there there's some good ones. There's some good ones too. Yeah. We're in kind of this digital age of comics, and your main art tool is the pencil, which is kind of refreshing. You make the most of that. Well, I keep saying this, but I need to apologize and thank all of my animation co-workers that have always been so patient with me when they're using Storyboard Pro and drawing on an iPad. They'll give me a little bit extra time to scan all of my copier paper, right? <laughs> and then put it into like a Google Drive and click through it. And that's how I present. So I'm, I've got to learn to uh, I bought the iPad. I've got to I've got to learn to draw digitally. It's not that I have an aversion to it. I just like pencils and I like paper, you know. But pr prior to all this, I, I had a more involved process. I was drawing on translucent plastic. It gave it an inked finished look. But then in the during the pandemic, and I've said this, I've written this, I've I've talked about it. It came to a point where. I couldn't get involved in art so much anymore because the kids are doing online school and I have household things to do and other work things to do. So if I, I was either going to have to quit or I could just get some cheap copier paper and pencils and be drawing while I'm like 
doing dishes, helping kids with homework. And I chose to do that. And that's where we get the look of the stuff now. So it's pencil. It's kind of a dull pencil. And then it's a mechanical pencil for the text. And then I scan it in Photoshop and I just kick up the levels a little bit. That's it. That's it. I would think that some of your fans enjoy the texture and the authenticity of it. I mean, you tell your son in one of your strips, technical mastery does not equal perfection. Sincerity <laughs> radiates from the flaws. The weaknesses allow room for authenticity. <laughs> you know, um, that that came to me when I was listening to some old recordings of really old, like really old gospel music. <laughs> nice. Because uh, I'll, I'll be drawing and some days I'm like, hey, I kind of want to listen to maybe uh, this kind of thing today. And I w of course, I always go down a rabbit hole, right? And then I find like turn of the century gospel recordings and I'm listening to it and I'm just like, it's better because it's not perfect. <laughs> but since I keep drawing like this, to, to begin with, I was just like, it was a test for me to see like... Uh, how rough can it be? And I still post it and, and be okay with it. Cause you know, you, you overthink this stuff. And uh, then I started liking how it was uh, quote unquote sloppy sometimes. And now sometimes I want to erase things. And a lot of the times I'm just going to one and done. I'm going to draw it one time and I'll be done one and done. <laughs> so well, I think that the busyness in your comics, you know, it reflects the life that you're living as a single dad. I, and it, that comes across. There's chaos in these panels and sound figures into your cartoons in a big way. There's background sound, not just dialogue, it's, it's sound effects. And that's more of a thing than any comics I can think of that aren't Japanese manga. Well... I always loved the look of sound effects and just a few years ago, I started to use them as a two dimensional tool of design to lead the reader's eye where I wanted it to go. But then with the journaling stuff, um, I can't say that I was thinking that much about it. It was just really organic. Like this is what this life is like. So three kids, I'll, I'll just say it straight. Like, I don't know the last time I went to the bathroom and somebody didn't knock on the door, right? Or I hear a crash, you know, or scream. So uh, I hope that comes across. That's that's what it is. It's just, it's a rowdy house, but it's not an unpleasant house. It's a lived-in house, you know? But, but yeah, always crash, pow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally you'll even add a sitcom style laugh track well <laughs> that's become something i i try to be careful and not overdo it and kind of maybe use it like cayenne pepper you know but sometimes when i'm really want to be like a like a little salty jerk about something i'll put a laugh track behind me like i'm looking at the the reader winking you know like this sucks. Ha ha ha. <laughs>
I have like a few quotes from your comics that just really spoke to me. You have one where where your kids are, yeah, your characters' kids are urging you to go on strike, and you say, if all the parents and caregivers of the world went on strike, society as we know it would literally collapse. The whole system has to rely on the foundation of invisible free labor. Yeah, yeah. And that is something that um, women have done been knowing that for a long time. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't think, and it's probably pretty obvious, but I don't think the, just between you and me, I don't think the guys that are running things have ever changed a diaper or had to take care of a sick person because they act like freaking aliens, man. (laughs) So uh, things will probably change, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, and you make that point in your comics that people are surprised to see you as a, as a single dad with you doing the work that has been relegated to women. And we both know that not every society works this way. I mean, civilized countries like the ones in Scandinavia do value childcare. And you, uh, you don't hesitate to point out the hypocrisy of a society that, in words, talks about the sacredness of parenthood and of children and then doesn't finance it. Yeah, that can really make me insane and into a, a crazy rage. Okay, if the family's sacred, then pay wages for housework. I'm not kidding. Do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> pay teachers uh, as much as nurses and doctors get paid. These are no-brainers, right? But instead of that, they're doing they. I hate that. Uh, they, but for lack of a better term, they are doing quite the opposite all the time. You've you've drawn these comics that are just this raw experience from your own life of, uh, of having your kids experience this um, broken household with an addict and it's all really confessional in a way that uh, I think for some people is problematic, but for some people must be refreshing. Like, oh my gosh, here's here's something finally that's putting real experience front and center. Look, everybody is touched by the the drug problem all across the board. And I didn't realize that putting putting this book out, I thought... It was the sum of the bad choices I'd made in my life, and I was from a bad place, and I thought it was unique to me, so I tried to stay quiet about it. But I put this book out, and let me tell you, that is one of, you know, the the, the stuff with single parenting, it's just the same amount of people coming out telling me about how they've been touched by loved ones that are, that are like, struggling with addiction constantly, constantly. That is something that that shocked me. Why can't we talk about that more and get something done about that too? You know? And every time somebody does open up to me, I appreciate it. It almost feels like that it, it is the norm now to have a, a close family member or an immediate family member who's incarcerated because of drug abuse or who is unhoused or who is constantly a drain on the family or who has passed away. 
that's something we haven't touched on, but all the, I get pulled to the side constantly by readers who tell me, Hey, I'm glad you talked about this because I went through this with this person I love. Crazy. It's crazy. Well, you've been listening to a special 20th anniversary episode of Words and Pictures. I'm your host, S.W. Concer, and my guest today has been Derek Ballard, author, cartoonist, and storyboard artist. He's worked on the shows Adventure Time and Midnight Gospel, and his comic stories have been collected in the anthology Cartoon Show. Uh, Derek, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I had a great time. And uh, for those listeners who might be interested in finding out more about your work, where would they look? Oh, just Patreon, Derek M. Ballard. And nowadays, I'm all over Instagram all the time. And it's just Derek M. is in math. <laughs> Ballard, B-A-L-L-A-R-D. So you can find me. All right. Well, thanks to all our listeners on the radio dial and on the web. You can find an archived version of this show later today at kboo.fm slash words and pictures. And be sure to follow us on social media at words and picture. <laughs> <laughs>